My name is Stu. If I haven't met you, hi. Hi, hi. hi. And Stu, you've got to stay in the safe zone. I know, I know. Stay in the safe zone. I'm, I'm going I'm to plant my feet right over there. And I'm going to look a little bit weird today because I'm just going to stand here like this. <laughs> um, but if I haven't met you, it's, it's great to meet you like this. Uh, it's so cool to be together. A warm welcome to Center Church. If you're visiting, if you're here visiting for the first time, or if you're online visiting and just hang out with us on Zoom, or maybe even you're watching this, I don't know, in the year 2030, and uh, it's so cool to be together, right? God is not bound by time or place. Uh, here we are, and it's great that we are together. It is great that we are together, and it's great that you are here. It is significant that you are here. It is significant that we're together. See, it's possible to think that uh, it's just another Sunday, right? 2020 is rolling on, and here we are hanging out together. It's another Sunday going by, but no, 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 you are here. There is a moment that we have together where we've chosen to plug into God's church and what's going on. And if you're listening to this or if you're here, that's what you've chosen to do today. And I want to say to you this morning that that is significant. Today is not inconsequential. It's not just arbitrary. It's not just another Sunday before 2020 rolls past. This is an opportunity for God to work in our hearts this morning. It's an opportunity for us to press pause on all the things that have been going on in our world and press play on some of the things that are in God's agenda. And that's a big deal. That is significant. It means that we submit our will to God today. It means we submit to His healing. We submit to His purposes. We submit to what He has for us this morning. And this moment can potentially change your life, right? (laughs) Quite literally. So I wonder if we can open in a word of prayer with that in mind. Let's just bring our hearts before God. And so, Heavenly Father, we say that this morning. What a season that we find ourselves in. What a time to be alive. We couldn't have uh, predicted this this is where we would be if if we were back in January of 2020. But here we are, and we have a moment before you King, a moment to press pause on all the things going on in our world and to press play on what your agenda is. And so we pray, Father God, this morning that you would come and you would work in our hearts. We open ourselves to you, Heavenly Father. We think about all the things that are going on in the world, all the things that are going on in our lives, and we press pause on those things for a minute. It's like, like we say to the little foxes, just just wait, just hold off for a second. We're just going <laughs> to give them a minute and fix our gaze on you, Father God. We want to hear from you this morning, Lord Jesus. We want to have you work in our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Say, come and be with us wherever we find ourselves. You might be sitting in your bed watching this from home, but Heavenly Father, we invite you in. We say, Holy Spirit, won't you come and work in our hearts and in our lives this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I am excited about this morning. I'm super excited about this morning. We're continue, continuing our series looking at the way of Jesus, where we've been learning about what it looks like to be discipled by Christ, what it looks like to follow in the way of Christ. See, see being a Christ follower is not just about having the right answers, it's about having the right heart. It's not just about 
taking hold of the promises of God. It's also about the process by which we get there. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, which is super exciting. And this morning is going to be a little bit messy, right? My, my, uh, I've got an 18-month-old uh, kid, Jamie. He's rocketing around here somewhere. Uh, he's learning to eat at the moment, and meals for him are a messy business, right? I, I made him some little corn fritters the other day, and we had some corn together uh, in the evening, and there was a blast radius of about a meter <laughs> around the meal, okay? <laughs> and I'm probably, I'll be sweeping somewhere this week, and I'll be like, oh, there's a bit of corn, you know? Uh, kind of making its way back. Meals are a messy business with, with, with Jamie, uh, who's an 18-month-year-old, that doesn't make sense, 18-month-old. And I feel like this morning is going to be a little bit messy as well. It's going to be a messy meal. God has got a meal for us. We might get a little bit all over the place. So I've, I've got a bunch of scriptures, a bunch of ideas. I've got a word that I feel burdened for us as God's people. Uh, but I don't know how it's going to go. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind opening your Bible to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at a story of Jesus hanging out with the disciples, Jesus going on a journey. It's not a particularly consequential journey. We don't know where they were going. We don't even know kind of what they were doing. If you're at Mark chapter 2, we're reading from verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, just while you turn there, a Sabbath is a day of rest. That's usually a Sunday for us in this day and age, but it doesn't have to be. It's a day of rest, a day of stopping work, a day of taking some time out to focus on God and what He has, and press pause, I guess, on all the work that we would be doing during the week. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields with His disciples, and as they made their way, His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So they're taking pieces of grain from the, from the fields. I want you to imagine a Sunday afternoon, nice warm Sunday afternoon, kind of like what we're getting to at the moment in Johannesburg. You know, it's warming up a little bit. I want you to think of golden green fields, right, of wheat. They're waving gently in a kind of light afternoon breeze. It's cool, it's quiet, it's, it's cool and warm. You know that kind of like just on the threshold, right? And you go for a late afternoon walk. You, you know that feeling where you've been watching Netflix all morning and you're a little bit like all Netflixed out and you're like, I need to actually get some exercise and then you go for a walk. It's that kind of feeling. It's that afternoon. Jesus is walking in this field with his disciples late afternoon, and they start plucking some heads of grain. And the Pharisees, those are the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? We spoke about David a couple of months back, didn't we? We did a whole series on King David talking about that. It says, when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the, pre, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is, not, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And also he gave it to those who were with him, and he said to them, you see, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is God's word to us this morning. And I want to start by saying, in the story, the central figure is Jesus. Okay? What we're going to look at is we're going to look at two perspectives on Jesus. The disciples were following Jesus. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, 
They were kind of spectating. They were standing watching Jesus with their arms crossed, checking him out, trying to see what he was on about, what was going to go down with him. They were, they were skeptical of him. They were looking at him. They were watching him for what he was going to do. And this scripture, the, the whole story this morning is a contrast between these two perspectives. Okay? The disciples are going to walk with Jesus. The Pharisees are going to criticize Jesus. They're going to willingly misrepresent Jesus, and they're going to miss Jesus completely. The story is about two perspectives. You might have heard this scripture before, and you're like, oh, this is the, the scripture about the Sabbath, right? We're going to talk about Sabbath and the importance of that. And well, let's talk about Sabbath real quick, shall we? Sabbath is, as we say, a day of rest that God commands us to take, and it's a gift to us. But you know what? We're, we're South Africans. We're pretty good at Sabbathing. Anyone got a bride planned for later on today? Anyone thinking about the pool later on today? In fact, some of you are brying already, right? Those of you who are not here in the building with us, you're at home, you've got the laptop going, and you've got the bride next to it, and you've got a pair of tongs in this hand, and you're kind of just checking the volume quickly just to make sure that you're still online, but you're getting the fire ready, and you're checking it to see, you know, whether it's ready for a little lamb choppy. It's got a little way to go. I was, I was prepping this yesterday, <laughs> and uh, it was about 11 o'clock in the morning, and somewhere, someone in my neighborhood was having a bry. I could smell it. <laughs> but I walked outside, and there was a smell of bry. I was like, 11 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, that's about time. <laughs> sure, fair enough. Can I say this? If you've got a bry up, uh, lined up for later on today, and you're going to be by the pool with your family or maybe some friends, because maybe you, you kind of start do that now. You're doing the Sabbath thing exactly right. Keep going. Do that. You are, you are being biblical to the T, right? <laughs> and don't doubt what I'm saying. Bri's are very, very biblical uh, things. It's one of the things that Jesus did uh, when he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. He appeared to a whole bunch of people, and he had a bri by the seaside while he was waiting for, for his disciples. It's biblical, right? I'm just, I'm just teaching you the Bible this morning. That's, that's all I'm doing. This morning, we're not going to talk a whole lot about Sabbath. John actually spoke about it a couple of weeks back. We're not going to get into, the, into, into Sabbath. Sabbath is a good thing. It's a gift from God. It's a whole sermon series, actually. Today, we're going to talk about the two perspectives on Jesus that are shown in this. See, oftentimes, a scripture like this, we, we, we just focus on the Sabbath teaching, and we miss all the other things that are going on in the scripture as well, right? And there's a whole lot to learn here. There are two perspectives and those two perspectives of interacting with Jesus, right? The disciples are going to follow Jesus. They're going to be going on a journey with Jesus. That's one perspective. The other perspective is the Pharisees. Like we said, they've got their arms crossed and they're watching Jesus. They're checking him out. Those two perspectives, can I say to you this morning, your perspective, this perspective that you choose determines your destiny, It's not, it's not just an inconsequential choice. It's not just like a, oh, it's a way of kind of thinking about it, thinking about it differently. No, no, no. The, the way that you choose to interact with Jesus determines your destiny. It's not your career. It's not your spouse or your partner. It's not the house that you have. It's not even your health. It's not how many likes you get on your Instagram not your YouTube channel. It's not your business and how successful that is. It's how you interact with Jesus, who is God, that determines your destiny this morning. 
That's why this morning is of huge significance. We have a moment to interact with Jesus. Let's have a look at those two different perspectives, right? So on one hand, we've got the disciples who are following Jesus. They're going on a journey with Jesus. I imagine, you know, it was a Sunday afternoon. They probably felt like going for a walk. The Bible doesn't tell us where they were going. It doesn't tell us what they were doing. You know, maybe they'd just come from like a really successful discipleship convention, and they were going to, you know, their week-long strategy off-site. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. They were just going on a journey with Jesus. They were just walking through the grain fields together one afternoon. The Pharisees, who, who, by the way, are the religious leaders of the time, they were the authority figures of that time, they're they're not going on a journey with Jesus. You get the idea that they're kind of spectating this whole interaction. Maybe they happen to be passing by the same way, but but I often imagine them in camo in the field, like full camo, pair of binoculars, and they're like, he plucked a uh, head of grain. Okay, let's go and have a conversation, right? You get the idea that they're spectating, that they're not part of the journey with Jesus, they're watching it. And they're keeping an eye out for it. Now, now the thing that happens is that the disciples are going on this journey and they're learning from Jesus. The Pharisees miss the truth of Jesus. The disciples get a, a passing snack, right? They get a, like, a, like a passing meal. It's, think of it like first century Doritos, heads of grain, right? Snap off a head of grain, crunch, crunch, crunch. The disciples get some first century Doritos. The Pharisees go hungry, the disciples get the heart of God, and the Pharisees pull out the rule book, and they're like, huh, rule 17b, paragraph 3, states that you shall not pluck a head of grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you're missing the heart of it entirely. You, you, you're missing the point of this. It's not about the rule book. It's about the heart. Pharisees completely, completely miss that. If you drill down into the heart of what's going on, between these two perspectives. It's actually really interesting. The disciples are learning from and love Jesus. There's a relationship there. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they're a little bit jealous and cynical of Jesus. There's no love there. There's no relationship. And as a result, they completely miss out. The Pharisees end up with this very resentful heart towards Jesus. That's their whole attitude towards him. Pharisee is not really a word that we use a whole bunch these days. You know, you're not driving down the road and you're like, oh, you Pharisee. That's not a thing that we really say a whole lot. You might say, oh, you Philistine, if you want to go Old Testament on someone. (laughs) But that's a little bit weird, right? Let's be honest. It's possible to read this and think of the Pharisees as a bunch of morons, right? They're like, oh, the idiots, you know. But they, but they really weren't. You've got to understand that the Pharisees were like the celebrities that we have today. Okay? They would have had all the followers on Instagram. They, they, they would have had security going with them. They, they had authority. If they said a thing, it was like law. It was a big deal. They were the people that, that, that everybody looked to and everybody followed in those times, much like celebrities are today, right? Someone plays football, Uh, really well and has a successful career playing football and then suddenly they get up on Instagram and they say something about how they conduct their marriage or their relationships and we're like, oh, that guy is so wise, we should listen to him. No, 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 he's good at playing football. But but we follow them in all of those other areas and you you see that's the thing, right? Uh, Celebrities play that role in our lives. 
We, we watch their lives. We watch every single aspect of their lives. To a degree, we idolize them. To a degree, we follow in their ways. And the, the Pharisees were like that in the first century. You see, to criticize the Pharisees like Jesus did is kind of like criticizing your favorite YouTuber. Right? Figure of authority and someone who's like, that guy, you know, I think that guy. And Jesus comes out and he whacks these guys in the scripture. You see, they were the, they were the woke ones of their time, if you will. And Jesus had an agenda that was different to their agenda. And as a result, they resented Jesus They didn't want to submit to God's truth. They didn't want to listen to what Jesus had to say to them in that moment because they wanted their religion, they wanted their game, they wanted to be the ones that were in control. And Jesus' message to them was, believe and be baptized. Submit yourselves to God. And, And the Pharisees didn't want to hear that because they thought that they had the authority. They thought that they were, they'd made it. They were the celebrities. They'd arrived. They were the masters of their own universe. They were the ones that they believed that they were in control. And into that, Jesus steps in and he says, everything that you believe is actually invalid. It it, it comes down to believing in Jesus, being baptized, putting your faith in him. And they didn't like hearing that. They didn't want to hear that. And as a result, you land up with these two completely different perspectives, right? Right? The disciples, on the other hand, they had a completely different interaction with Jesus in this picture. They, they were humble. They, they were, you know, they called the disciples because they were being discipled by Christ. And that's what it means to go on a journey with Jesus. It's to be discipled with him in the process, day by day. One Sunday afternoon when you're going for a walk, and you happen to find yourself in a, in a, in a grain field, you know, the, the best way to learn from someone is not to try and uh, imitate their life, because you've got to get the foundations right. It's actually to go on the journey with them and to, to experience their life, so that, because your life is the foundation for the visible bits of your life, you know? Um, I, I'll give you an example. I don't get up here and preach. For the, like, this is, I'm not making this stuff up like right now. Okay? I've done a bit of prep for this. You don't see that part of the prep for it. But, but that prep is necessary for this moment. Okay? And there are a whole load of things in your life that are exactly the same. You don't just show up and uh, you don't just arrive at the shops and grab a whole load of things and expect to go. You, you arrive with a credit card or with some money so that you can buy the things, right? And if you don't have that preparation in place, you can't do the thing that's visible. That's what's going on here with Jesus, is that he's doing the, the life with them, the, the foundation, the invisible part, so that the fruit in the future is going to be possible. The, the, the best way to learn from someone is to go on a journey with them, is to be immersed in their lives. I told you about uh, Jamie, my, my 18-month-year, I keep saying that, 18-month-old, who is learning to uh, eat different things at the moment. Now, he, he has huge food FOMO for anything that anyone else is, is eating in the vicinity of him. So the other day, uh, Emma and I were having a snack, and we had a little bit of it's going to sound weird. We had some blue cheese and some crackers and a whole load of things. And Jamie was like, oh, I want this. You know, he was like shouting and making a racket. So I gave him a little bit of blue cheese and there was a little bit of chili. And there were a whole load of these like weird out there foods. 
And because mom and dad were eating them, he was like, oh, this is amazing, right? Now, I know that I'm setting myself up for failure here because I can imagine about five years from now, uh, Jamie's going to open the fridge and he's going to try and get some cheese out to make a toasted cheese. And he's going to be like, mom, dad, there's no blue cheese in the house. I can't even make a toasted cheese here, you know, like, what's going on, right? I'm setting myself up for failure. But Jamie's game, not necessarily because he likes it at this stage, but because mom and dad are eating those things. He's learning our ways, which are a little bit weird when it comes to food, I grant you that. He's learning our ways because he's on the journey with us and he's having those moments. And we didn't plan that moment, it just, it just happened. And you get the sense that that's what the disciples are, are doing with Jesus. They're just walking together. They're just spending time together. They're just hanging out without a whole lot of agenda. And there's this moment, and we get this huge interaction that's recorded in the Bible for us to learn from 2,000-odd years later. The Pharisees, by contrast, as we said, it, it seems like they feel a bit left out. They're spectators on what's going on. They miss the moment. The, the Pharisees are so busy being the Sabbath police, you know, whistle, burp, burp, stop, stop, don't eat that grain, it's the Sabbath that they miss the heart of it completely, and they, they miss out on the snack, they miss out on the journey, they miss out on the moment. You know, it sounds so foreign to us that, that they would be so, should we say, bigoted and kind of narrow-minded, but I think that there's a, there is a certain type of religious kind of ideology that still exists today. You, you, you may have met some people where everything is kind of spiritual. You know, they, they pray for their car when it's being refueled because they're like, Lord, bless this fuel, multiply it, make it, make it go further, right? And they're convinced that it does. And, and, and they're like, they fast before, any time they have a test or an exam, they're going to fast for about a week. Okay? And they make everything very religious and very legalistic and very spiritual, and they've got the right answer to every single question and comes straight from the, from, from the Bible, but it's not truth that ministers to our emotions. It's, it's like hard. It's like being whacked with truth. I hope I'm not offending you if, if, if you are that person. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think you are. None of these people are at Center Church, right? But, but it's it's actually quite easy to fall into that. And, and, and the way that you fall into that is that you start thinking about Christianity as a list of do's and don'ts, as a list of rules. You know, I've just got to do this, I've just got to do that, I've just got to do the next thing, and if I do this right, well, then Jesus is going to bless me and everything will go great. And, it's all. and Jesus is interested in going on the journey with us, not giving us an agenda and a list of rules. I've heard people say sometimes that the Bible is a manual for life. Well, yeah, it is, but that kind of reduces it a little bit. It's not a manual, like a manual for your vacuum cleaner, you know? It, 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 that's not the Bible. The Bible is truth that's full of mystery and wonder, and, and it, it's a call to adventure, right? It, it, it doesn't explain everything about life in, like, clear-cut terms where you're just like, oh, okay, cool, that solves that. No, 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 it... it, it there's mystery and there's adventure and there's, sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's confusing. It's not, it's not just a menu. You see, following Christ is not just 
doing a whole load of things and not doing a bunch of things. I think we, th we think about the Ten Commandments sometimes like this. I've spoken to some people where they say, you know, you can basically reduce Christianity to the Ten Commandments. No, you can't. You'd miss Jesus. Christianity is not, following Christ is not about the do's and don'ts. It's about following in the way of Jesus. It's about being discipled by him. It's about learning from him. It's about submitting to him. See, the, the, the disciples are going on this journey with Jesus because they are part of his community. They aren't in a hurry. They're just hanging out. They, they're like friends that are just being together. Uh, a, a bunch of you might know a story. I, I think I've told it once or twice. A couple of years ago, no, quite a while ago, before I was married, about nine or ten years ago, uh, I looked a little bit uh, thinner. You can't necessarily believe that about me, but I, but I did. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I did a trip with two mates where we, we bought some 150cc scooters and we drove from Peter Maritzburg in KwaZulu-Natal all the way down to Cape Town and back on a 150cc scooter that has no gears. You know, you just like... And you go as fast as you can. Uh, because I was skinnier, I had an advantage. Uh, some of my less skinny friends who will remain unnamed... Uh, I remember driving up a hill next to my one friend, and there was a, there was a, we were in the Transkei somewhere, and there was a huge big truck barreling on the highway behind us in this narrow kind of single-lane highway. We're going along, and I'm at the back, and I'm like, we're going way too slowly. There's a truck behind me. I'm going to get a move on. So I just floored it, and I went past my one friend, and he looks across at me. He's like, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> It took us about three weeks. We, we took a week to get to Cape Town. We hung out in Cape Town for a week, and then we took about a week to get back. We, we hadn't booked any accommodation. We didn't know where we would be staying each night. We just kind of went for it. And, uh, man, it was cool. It, we, we, had, we had one braai on the back of one of the bikes. We had a tent on the back of one of the other bikes, and we had a box with a whole load of stuff, like tongs and various other things that you might, you might need. Uh, on a trip like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one other story. I, I remember we were sleeping in a fairly uh, public place because uh, we hadn't booked accommodation and we'd gone as far as we could for the day. So we found a little kind of secluded-looking spot and we were, we were going to be off early in the morning anyway, so we were like, oh, you know, we'll just set up. It's a beautiful, clear night. Uh, and, uh, you know, why not? So we had some dinner and uh, set up our bikes. We put our bikes around the three of us so that we figured, you see, we were sleeping under the stars. We figured that if anybody was going to try and steal something from us or do something, they would have to get over the bikes. And then at least there was a little bit of a barrier. We hadn't thought about the fact that the, the bikes could collapse on us in the night. Right? That could have happened. Uh, it didn't, but it could have. Uh, in hindsight, it maybe wasn't such a good idea. It, we, we set up the bikes, and I remember slowly drifting off to sleep and then there was this almighty crash. It was like it, things were getting quiet. We'd just settled down. There was this like thunderous like crash of something. It sounded like glass breaking. I don't know what it was. We got such fright. It turns out the box on the back of the bike with a whole load of stuff in it had basically just slid off. But <laughs> at, at you know, 10.30 at night in the middle of nowhere, we got a heart attack. I think the three of us didn't sleep until about 1 o'clock that morning. We were like... <gasps> I mean, it's, it's insane, the stuff that we did in hindsight, but you know what? It was an adventure. 
and there is a certain type of community that you can only get by doing some things like that. We, we got to know each other in ways that I'm not sure if I want to know each other in those ways, right? There's an honesty to your relationship, there's a candor, there's a, there's a community, you're in it together. And I get the sense that that's the kind of relationship that the disciples had with Jesus. They were in it together with him. They were on this journey with him. They were going somewhere with him. The, the Pharisees, by contrast, they were not part of that community. In fact, they intentionally positioned themselves outside of that community. They were spectators on it. They couldn't learn from Jesus. They couldn't hear what he had to say. They couldn't have his friendship. They couldn't have his love. They couldn't have his banter. They couldn't go through those things together. See, the Pharisees, one of the reasons why they missed Jesus was because they were expecting a different type of savior. Okay? They'd read all the prophecies. You must understand, these guys were the religious leaders of the time. They, they, were, they were wise, learned people. They'd read all the books. They'd read all the prophecies. They knew that Jesus was coming, but they didn't expect him to come like this. They expected Jesus to roll in on probably like a white horse with a sword. They were thinking military conquest. They were like, Israel's going to take over the world all over again. We're going to be the, the ruling authority. And into this, Jesus comes and he kind of teaches a completely different, different thing, right? But, but it wasn't what they expected. Jesus, you see, didn't fit in with their agenda. Their agenda was they wanted power, they wanted uh, authority, they had a plan, they had a schedule, and if Jesus was going to come, this was how he was going to come. And Jesus turns up and he looks completely different, and as a result, they miss him. Out. They're spectators on this thing, whereas the disciples, they had no agenda. Jesus had come to them in the most random situations and said, come follow me. And they're like, okay, yeah, we can do that. They had no agenda, and as a result, well, I mean, half of them wrote the New Testament. Their lives turned out a little bit differently. Their destiny was completely different. See, the Pharisees were trying to, if you look at the heart of it, the Pharisees were trying to use Jesus for their own gain. They wanted Jesus to come who was going to, to uh, conquer all the known world and give them positions of authority and give them more spectacle and make them more of a deal, get them more followers on Instagram, give them a bigger salary at the end of the month. They were trying to use Jesus to get all of those things. And can I say this, and can I say this very very gently, it's possible to look at that and go, oh, they were such idiots. But you know what? I think we all have the tendency to be a little bit like the Pharisees sometimes. He says, sometimes we've got a plan. We want it to work out in a certain way. We've prayed about it. Here we've prayed and asked God for that business deal. We've prayed and asked God for that job or that spouse or that vaccine, or, or whatever it might be. And, and you see, God, we're actually trying to use God to get those things. We're not submitted to God. God is just a means for us to get that stuff in our lives. It's like, it's like playing rock, paper, scissors. You know rock, paper, scissors? A little game that you play? It's like adding God to the mix. Rock, paper, scissors, God. God just wins. It's like a secret source that enables you to, 
your ninja moves, right, that, that give you the superpower. Can I say this? Jesus is not always particularly interested in our agenda, but he is interested in the moment that we have with him. Sometimes we want all of this stuff, and Jesus, we prayed for it, and we've asked you for it, and we've even examined our hearts, and we're pretty sure that we've got pure motives in asking for these things. And, and sometimes Jesus is like, you know what, hold on, I actually don't want to talk about that right now. We've got a moment together. Let's go for a walk through a grain field and see what happens. And we're like, God, but, but all of this stuff, I need my job, and I need, uh, and God's like, yeah, I know. Just just to focus to me for a second. It's possible, it's possible to read your Bible sometimes, and I've done this, right? I come to God, and I've got a, there's something that's bothering me at that particular moment. Maybe there's a situation at work, and I'm like, you know what? I need to leave my job because my boss is a moron, and I'm just, I'm done with this. So Jesus, won't you just confirm that to me? Won't you just speak to me this morning as I read my Bible? And then you open your Bible randomly, and... I landed in Proverbs. Let's see what we got here. Uh, it says, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger. Uh, and, th- and then I kind of gloss over that. I'm like, no, that's not God. So we move on. Do, do you see? I mean, it's, I, hope it's, I hope it's a little funny, but, but it's possible to read our Bibles like that and come to Jesus like that, where actually we've got the agenda. We're like, God, I want you to confirm this thing because I can see that it's right and I can, I can see that I'm not being sinful in this thing. So, so won't you just confirm it for me? And oftentimes, Jesus is not so interested in our agenda and what we want to do, but he does want to have a moment with us. He wants to share a moment with us. And you see, the Pharisees miss the moment because they've got an agenda and the disciples get a moment with Jesus that is recorded for all of history in the Word of God because they had no agenda. And they were willing to submit to Jesus' gender. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're facing. I, we're all working at things, aren't we? And there, there might be, you know, there might be something that's keeping you up at night. There might be something that's bothering you. You might have even come to church this morning with a burden going, God, I need a, a word from you about this thing. And, and friends, brothers, sisters, I, I hope you understand that sometimes God is going to press pause on our agenda so that we can press play on his agenda. And he's going to offer us some first century Doritos and a moment with him instead of an answer to the thing that's bugging us the most. And it's not that, it's not that that stuff doesn't matter to God. It's just that oftentimes he wants to get the priorities right. In fact, it's oftentimes that that stuff does matter to God, but we see that as a promise, or we see that as an endpoint, or we see that as an outcome, maybe the new job, the spouse, or whatever it is, that's the outcome, and Jesus is actually interested in the process of how we're going to get there, and he's like, yeah, have a Dorito, and let's go for a walk, and you're like, but uh, I need a job. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I know, we're going to get there, that's the promise that's coming in the future, but there is a process that we've got to go on together before we're going to get there. You see, Jesus is as interested in the process as he is in the promise. God cares about that business deal. He cares about that 
test or exam that you're facing this week. He, he cares about a spouse or partner that you imagine having one day. He cares about your job. He cares about the fact that you're, you need to eat this week. But he's not just interested in that stuff. He's also interested in the process of how you're going to get there. And he wants to go on a journey with you to get there. I love this story. It's, it's hard, but I love it. Genesis, uh, Abraham is is having this kind of conversation with God, and God says to, to him this. He says, go from your country and your kindred, this is from Genesis 12, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you will curse you. And uh, uh, I will, sorry, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He's giving Abraham this huge, big promise of blessing. Abraham, go from your country. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you so much. You, you're going to have more wealth than you can imagine. You're going to have all these, these great things. If, if you know your Bible, you'll know that Abraham is 75 when he gets this promise from God. I'm, how old am I? I'm 32, I think. I'm not even halfway to 75 yet. I, I will be in a, in a year or two. I can't, I can't even imagine 75 years of going on a journey to get to the point where God gives you that promise. And if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, it takes another 25 years for them to go from that moment of receiving that promise to living in it. Why? Because God is interested in the process that we go on. God gives us a promise, and He takes us through a process to get there. It's not just about the promise. And if, I mean, Abraham's story, we don't have time to go into it. <laughs> but it's up and down, and it's all over. And he gets to age 100, <laughs> which I can't even imagine. 25 years later, and then he's living in the blessing that God has promised over here. He's 75, and God promises him, you know, that I will make you a great nation. At this age, he doesn't even have a child yet. He's 75 and doesn't have a child. God says, I promise you, I will make you a great nation. Okay, the promise I'm going to cling to. And Abraham goes through this journey, which, as I said, we don't have time to go through, but he goes through this journey of up and down and getting to that promise. And the whole time, I think that process that he's experiencing is God teaching him to cling to that promise and to stay true to it. There's so many points along the journey where he could drop off and give up, and in fact he does. He wanders about a whole lot, and he makes some poor choices. But he does land up in that. He gets there eventually. Can I encourage you this morning? I don't know what you are facing. I don't know what's going on, but God has got a journey for you, and he is interested in the process that you're going through, not just the destination, not just the promise. I want to end with this story from Matthew 8. Again, Jesus with his disciples. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So Jesus has been, they've been teaching, doing a whole bunch of things to get into the boat to go somewhere. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was sleeping. 
And they went to him and they woke him. These are the disciples saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. We're about to die. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus has given many of them a promise. Right? They could see the promise in the future. Like, okay, we need to go there. They get onto the boat, and the journey that they're on doesn't look like they're heading to that promise. In fact, it looks like the journey is about to end. <laughs> but the reality is, Jesus has got them in a process. Why? Because he wants to teach them something about who he is. He wants to show them something about who God is. What's that thing? Well, he, he's trying to show them that he's not God like a human being, he's not subject to the weather. You see, the disciples are like, here's the universe, and God is in this universe, and what God is doing in this moment is he's taking that mental picture that they've got and and saying to them, guys, I'm not God in this universe that you've conceptualized, I'm God outside of the universe, I can control it. So you know that promise that I've given you, because it doesn't look like it right now, because it looks like we're on a stormy sea, doesn't mean that that promise is shipwrecked, doesn't mean that that promise has been dropped. We're in the process of getting to that promise. And the process is uncomfortable, and we're like, God, how? But we're in the process of getting to that promise. 